Cross Politic begins in three, two, one. Stop a heart that breaks for a dying city. Stop cursing your future. <laughs> Is not true. For all intents and purposes, I am a woman. No government, no political system has ultimate supremacy. Jesus is King of Kings, and it's about time our nation returned in humble submission to His Lordship. You are not protecting women. You are authorizing the destruction of 500,000 little women every year. I didn't start it. Sir, sir, with all due respect, that's the argument of a five-year-old. I didn't start it. Right, when the Spirit comes upon people, they go to war. They go to battle, and the enemies of God are driven back, and they're slaughtered. You are listening to Cross Politic with Gabe Wrench, the Water Boy, Pastor Toby Sumter, and the Chocolate Knox. Hello, y'all. Welcome to Cross Politic Live. Yes. Wow. Isn't that great? We are, we are live at Trinity Conference, Christ Over Politics, here in Seattle, Washington. Of course, I got the good brother from another mother, Chocolate Knox, over here on my right. Joseph, back home. You are from, well, we're formerly with the Family Policy Institute, and now you're in the promised land of the great state of Texas. Of course, me, the water boy, and Pastor Dave Hatcher, and Pastor Toby. Hey, hey. It's good to be with you guys. We've been discussing uh, kind of a lot about theology, Christ is Lord, Jesus is King, and we have this... It's like nothing we've ever talked about yeah, before. Yeah, like nothing, you know. A whole new concept. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, kind of the post-mill worldview that we carry. We were going to try to do the whole conference without saying post-mill, though. I think we made it, didn't we? Is where's, now, where's a buzzer? Till now. Or a shotgun. <laughs> or create. Message. Message. <laughs> and, and so we've been talking a lot about this, this, this kind of worldview that we have as, as reformed, largely as reformed Christians. But how, why, Pastor Dave, why are we losing to secularism when we kind of have this um, dominion view of theology? Um, well, you're assuming we're losing, first of all. Um. It feels that way. It, it does feel that way. But but if you you have to look over, first of all, remember to look over the entire world, over the the entire epoch of the church history. Hmm. Um, and today, uh, while we are certainly seeing the influence of the church and Christianity failing in in Western culture, um, it is you know right now as we speak exploding uh, throughout the southern hemisphere. Uh, throughout China, in the midst of all of its totalitarian rule, throughout um, all kinds of nations, it's, it's doing quite well. Um, but why is, it, why is it failing here? Why do we see it failing here? In the U.S. In the U.S. Yeah. Well, in Seattle. Yeah, in Seattle. Um, well, I think, I, think um, I am the problem. Um, I think Get the, the rope. Pre- the preachers. <laughs> I, I think the preachers are the problem. Um, because we're preaching that we're losing and we're going to lose and we don't have anything to say or to them about anything, uh, about how to run the world, how to run families, how to run uh, civil government, how to run the culture. We, we, just, we only preach about a nice Jesus and, and our own hearts, and it's coming true. And, and so if you're the problem or if preachers are the problem, what, what are you doing to correct that in just, let's say, in your own local congregation? Yeah, invite guys like you to come and <laughs> you're in trouble. <laughs> Encourage and push. Uh oh. <laughs> to put it right. Yes, it's up to you guys. <laughs> oh, well, let's end this now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, Joseph, you actually um, worked with the Family Policy Institute here in Washington, so you actually have a pretty good uh, take or knowledge of what's been. Going I don't know on. if it's a good take, but I have a take. You have a take. You know, but but you have a lot of knowledge, at least what's been going on in the state of Washington over the years. Um, yeah. What what are some of the things that you've seen, and why the church is losing here in Seattle, or or why we perceive the church to be losing here in Seattle? Well, my my post was Washington State. Um, the network I was working in is national, so what we're experiencing in Washington and Seattle is not necessarily unique. But, um, and there's a lot that can be say, said about what's happening in the church. The very, the most succinct way I know how to say it to start this is that the church doesn't actually believe what we say we believe to the extent that we're not willing to act on it. 
we don't believe God is who he is. We don't believe that the gospel is good. Every part of it is good and applies to everything. At least we, so, we certainly don't act like it. And so we, are, we have a church that is really, in many cases, embarrassed of what the gospel has to say to the culture. And so when they're asking the question, to paraphrase Genesis 3, did God really say, we're kind of like, oh, well, I, I mean, I think he did. But he didn't really mean it that way. You know, and that's just kind of the posture that the church has taken for the culture. And when you're observing that, even when you're inside the church and you're watching that dialogue where you have one side that's really confident and really sure, and they're going to tell you what they believe because they know they're right, even though they're wrong. And then you have the other side that happens to be right, but it's totally embarrassed of everything they say. And they say it in whispers. What side are you going to join? And that's what I think we're, we're watching happen. Yeah. You, you starting to preach. I'm just warming it up. Thank Go you. Ahead. Okay. Yeah, no, so that, that's what I think the problem is. Joseph, you, you went to a, you've been to a number of churches in your work, right? I mean, you would visit a lot of churches. Sure. Uh, and, and what, I mean, what did you find? You go to, you're going to churches all over the state of Washington. You're trying, like, here's a, some initiative that we're working on. Here's, you know, uh, an important vote coming up or whatever. What was your experience with that? I, I, I think... There's not one category. I mean, there's not one answer to that that, that addresses everybody. There's a, a, the spectrum of churches and how they engage with the culture. On one side, you have churches that I wouldn't really consider to be Christian, and they're just kind of heretical. They're churches, but they're wrong about everything, right. including the gospel. <laughs> yeah. And then you have churches that... So I'm, I'm talking just about the domain of churches that I think are still on the reservation of Orthodox Christianity. Right. Some are um, so afraid that they... Or they just are ignorant. They're like, yeah, you're right, but I don't know how to do anything about that. There's others that just don't care, that yeah. don't think it's that, that it even matters. It's just apathy. Or they don't think the church should care. Or they don't, yeah, and there's some that think it's wrong to care and actually to, to engage. There's some that just don't even think about it at all and it doesn't matter. And then you have some that understand that it matters and they have some baseline of knowledge. But that is a in my experience, a tiny sliver of the church. And just to one of those subcategories of do they, do they, are they willing to engage or not engage? What I found is that there is a very clear racial barrier on that line. That mm. when, when I would approach, it doesn't matter if they're any kind of ethnic background, with Korean, Russian, Chinese, African American, Latino, if they're not a white church, I expect them to want to engage in the culture. If they engage, are engage white, engage politically? Yeah. Yeah, and they don't yeah. really even see it as political engagement, but the idea that the gospel would somehow tell you not to do that is something that they don't understand. Wow. But, and, but wow. all the white churches have basically been acculturated to this idea that we're kind of above that, and yeah. that, you know, that ruins our reputations a little bit, Ooh. and so we don't go there. So it's very clear lines Except in for my like experience. Liberal, liberal denominations, though, that's not the case. They're actually engaged in all those issues, though, right? White liberals, are you saying? Well, or white liberal churches? Well, white liberal churches. Okay. I think, are you speaking mostly yeah. of conservative churches for the but most yeah, part? For sure. Because I eliminated the heretical ones at first. Right. Yeah. right? <laughs> were, you li- were you even you listening? You missed that. I, I, just, right. I didn't make everybody yeah. heretical. No, I just didn't put all well, of no, the category. No, my goodness, Joseph. Mercy. There is another line, though. Um, in, in terms of engagement, where you have the, the, the churches that will say, you know, we shouldn't get in, involved in political issues. None of them actually mean that. Right. Because when right. it comes to, like, talking about racial in, injustice or uh, sex trafficking is an important, all of which God cares about. Yep. But because the progressive culture has told them it's okay for them to care about that and be Christian, then they'll care about that and be Christian. Right. But if the culture tells them it's not okay for you to talk about these things, then they won't. Yeah. It's... It's not so for a lot of these white churches. The issue is is not cool, for sure. It's not cool to be involved in politics. So we're above this, and that's and so what you'll find is that it's actually yeah. It's when the culture has given them permission. You know, they'll be like, oh yeah, we're going to do a big sermon series on racial sin. Well, I I don't know if it's just not that it's cool. I think too the people that you named usually are the ones who get affected first by the policies that are set out. In suburban culture, my eth- white ethnic populations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The minorities in the in the group are going to have to suffer firsthand um, whatever policies that are set forth in politics and in, in culture and community, and then it bleeds its way up slowly up to white suburban culture. Are you thinking about that primarily in terms of like economic status? Like you're thinking like ethnic minorities are t- tend to be poorer, and so um, they're, they're going to be in, in, impacted quicker that way? Or well, I think, uh, yeah. Why, I think, why, why would they be impacted Well, first? because everybody uses minority groups to show their righteousness. Yeah. 
Right. Their, and, vir- and their virtue signaling. That's exactly right. Well, and it's how you know that you're kind of doing it right too. You know, um, for instance, my my um, my uncle would always say, "Black culture is like the pulse of America." We judge everything on how we treated black people. Yeah. So now we have Mexicans coming. Look at look at the homosexual movement. How do you know you're treating them right? Well, how how do we do civil rights movement? How, what does a humanity look like? Right. And so everything is gauged off of kind of that that era of slavery and how we treated black Americans. So in one sense or another, we're judging our righteousness on how we treat the minorities among us because that's how we know we're doing a good job. And so we practice on them in one way or another how we do politics for our own righteousness. Now you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, I from especially living in those communities, we would see what those, um, for instance. Uh, welfare. We didn't see what that did to the white community until later, but it hit the black community like a storm and ripped and shred through it immediately. So we had to figure out now how to fix it. You mean it wasn't good for them? <laughs> so, Have so you us, seen the black family? Us, us gauging everything off how we treat my, minorities or, or the black community, we've actually, our, our policies have actually done harm to them, but everyone thinks we're still doing, we're serving them and still doing yeah, and the Asian justice to them. The Asian community, in one sense or another, is a little different because for, for whatever reason, they've integrated into white culture really easily. Um, where the, it seems like everybody else kind of hasn't. They kind of keep some of their cultural norms uh, to the point where they don't integrate very well into traditional American society. Do you except, think, except for driving. Huh? <laughs> do you think... Do you think another, I mean, we apologize for Gabe. Um, do... Is there some other aspect, I mean, in which a lot of these ethnic groups also, I mean, I know um, maybe the black community in America has got deeper roots in America and you've got the, all, the, all the past sins and problems with that. But yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of, you know, other immigrant communities, though, yeah. are also coming from countries where um, the, there's not nearly as much um, uh, protection uh, for uh, religious rights. Well, my Ukrainian and, brothers, right? So they I mean, get it. They so, understand the influence of politics. Yeah, them. Eastern Europeans, yeah. Um, Asians, other people maybe have a little bit more experience, like up close and personal, seeing how a state uh, treats Christians yeah. if you're not careful. And so they've just like they know about it. They got families that are already in the middle of it. So they come over here and they're like, "Yeah, we got to." If we, we don't fight engage, for right. it's going to be like where yeah. we left. Yeah. Right? <laughs> to to that point, in Washington has a, a fairly famous case of a florist. Baron L. Stutzman, who was sued by the attorney general because she didn't want to, uh, she didn't want to decorate for a same-sex wedding, and with, well, however you want to characterize that, right? And and she, some of the some of the churches would look at that and say, well, that's just mean. You should you should just do that as a way of loving people. The Russian churches in Washington look at that and they're like. That's happened before, you know, they have, a, they have a point of reference yeah. when the government comes in and tells you this is what you can and cannot do yeah. in public while you run your business right. and the raids that they all experience. And they're like, that's nonsense. Yeah, like, and you're we, asking, we saw that and in you, the Soviet Union. And we have an actual opportunity to influence this. And you're telling me we should stand down, right. you know, go away. Yeah. They, they're, they're having none of that. And the idea that the gospel somehow compels them to just go along to get along, yeah. even while the government tells you and you comes in and tells you how to worship God, that's just a foreign concept to them wow. culturally. Wow. But isn't, I mean, isn't our problem, I mean, like, okay, so we see this as being wrong, Joseph, but, um, I mean, let's face it, in Washington, we're way outnumbered. I mean, here in Washington, like, it's just, you know, pretty much liberal promised land, and, and there's like yeah. five Christians. Yeah. I feel like you're setting me up. I think all, I think Never. all the Christians in Washington state are in this room right now. Well, not totally. Okay. Not totally. But no, to your point, and actually a lot of people feel that way. Um, in, in the, um, there's a strong temptation not to get involved, not even fill out a ballot because it doesn't matter. We look at the presidential election. You know, there's 120, 30 million votes cast for president every four years. And we look at that and say, do I actually make a difference? And mathematically, you can make the argument that maybe you don't. But, but the impact of that is when you just withdraw totally, what happens at the local level? And that's really where I spent all my time um, in, in, in policy. A handful of years ago in Washington State, the balance of power in Washington State was decided by a single election in Vancouver, Washington that was determined by 76 votes. 
And that determined the balance of power of the Senate. And for four years, that meant that the LGBT lobby and Planned Parenthood couldn't get what they wanted in an entire state that really was pushing that way because of 76 votes in Vancouver. Now, there's more than 76 people in this room. And almost (laughs) every church in the state can influence 76 people. But what you have is a bunch of people who could make the difference in a whole slew of, you can take over any school board you want. Mostly. Downtown Seattle is a little harder, but in most cities in America, if the four biggest churches in that community got together and ran a slate of candidates, they could dominate the school board. The only reason they don't is because they don't try. And so there's a ton of things that are happening locally that we have, even in Washington, have a ton of influence over. Could if we tried, but we've just decided it doesn't matter because we look at the 120 million votes cast for president and like, I can't do anything about it. Okay, so help me out here. If, If you were thinking strategically about how to be effective as a Christian right now, right here, where would you put your energy at? Well, I, I believe, and, I, and I've, you could, the church could change the, uh, the political culture of the, if, of the country if everybody gave 10 minutes a year to the cause. That's what I always ask for in my last assignment. 10 last minutes? Job. 10 minutes a year, because in 10 minutes a year, you can do two things. You can fill out your ballot, and you can contact your legislator at least once a year. Most people haven't contacted their legislator ever. What's the About that? half the people in church vote. Mm. And if everybody decided, okay, I'll give 10 minutes a year to my cultural stewardship, then everything's different all of a sudden. Every, I mean, and you haven't even convinced anybody else to change their mind. All you've done is stewarded the influence that God has currently placed in the lap of the church and everything from the school board to potentially the presidential elections look different. So I, I get filling out the ballot, but what I mean, what do you talk with your legislator about? Well, it depends on who your legislator is. I mean, really, I mean, there's some very hard hearts in the legislature, for sure. But I think in, in, with, with pastors, and I've talked to pastors about this a lot, is just be a pastor. You know, don't go there as a political activist. Yeah. Just say, hey, we're serving the same community. You represent me. This is who, what we're about. If, while you're gone at the Capitol, can we mow your lawn? Can we, like, help your family? Can we pray for you? Yeah. Like, what, just be a pastor, you know? Vody was talking about this. We interviewed Vody in Florida, and he said, you know, it was something so simple as praying for our local government, our sheriffs, our, our judges, and people there. We started to get letters back saying, I'm so grateful. And I think it was, like, four judges that said on um, – their local judges started coming to the church because of that. Yeah. And so it's so it's amazing just being a simple influence of prayer. Right. Imagine that, that it would be it, effective. <laughs> it, it, it's weird because, you know, the, it, it's, it, it, the, the church, the, the, the desire not to be like co-opted, right. not to co-opt the gospel for political purposes. As a result of that, I mean, the only other place we avoid intentionally like we do the Capitol is like strip clubs, right? It's like strip clubs and the Capitol. We just don't go there. We just don't do that because we're Christians, right? Wow. And that, yeah. that's kind of, yeah. we intentionally withhold the gospel from that. When we talk to Mike Chereau, he's the, what is he? He's the C12 network CEO. CEO of C12, a Christian businessman organization. Um, I was shocked. I mean, this is one of those interviews. I mean, Gabe sets up interviews for us. And, you know, and sometimes Chalk Knox and I, we just sort of we're like, Why, they got to make it work. What? What, what were you thinking, Gabe? <laughs> and I confess, I did that with Mike Chereau, and he gets on the phone and just blew my mind. He's from San Antonio. This is right in the, when the whole Chick-fil-A thing blew up where uh, the San Antonio City Council decided to kick Chick-fil-A out of the airport. Yep. And it was in the courts. And, and Mike Chereau was like, yeah, I've been on the phone the last couple of days with San Antonio City Council members explaining to them why this is horrible for San Antonio, why it's horrible for the Christian community. And, and he said, and the... One of the shocking things he said was several of them thanked him because no Christians had called them. I, I, I'll, I'll, no Christians yeah. they didn't even call, know they existed, <laughs> and, 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 and didn't know. Like, yeah. and, I mean, and you know, I mean, you can say maybe they just said that, but like, yeah. I mean, they should have been inundated with Christians calling them, sending them notes, saying, "Please don't do this. This is this is not good for any of us. It's not good for the city." I- I had a pastor in the, I mean, a, 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 leg, a Christian legislator in the Washington State legislator, le, Legislature, and this happened a few years ago, and, he, and he's one of us. And he said, every week I get visited by somebody in a caller from the abortion lobby or the LGBT lobby. I haven't been visited by a pastor who agrees with me in a decade. Wow. And he's one of us. So um, 
No, this actually might take it a little different direction. Um, I'm from Texas. I grew up in Texas, raised really? in Texas. Really? <laughs> if no you guys idea. don't, if you guys don't know, you know, you know what I'm saying. Deep in the heart of Texas. There you go. <laughs> and um, but in in the South, they really play that song in Texas. I know and they really do. Yeah, they, they really do. do. Oh, and they get turned up. Woo! My son went to a Houston Astros game this summer, and he came back and said, "Dad, they really play that song." <laughs> It's real. It's a real thing. <laughs> oh, man. Google we should, just, that was we should just pray nights. for Texas right now. Yeah. Pray for Texas right now. My other favorite song is Don't Mess With Texas. Don't you mess with Texas. I'm not getting Please don't do that. All right. Please don't do that. Please stop. But, but in the South, uh, you know, they have American flags in the church service. They um, uh, Politics is very, in, in some sense, politics is very kind of mingled with church and worship. And so I, I when we start talking about, like, the church getting proactive in politics, I, I get, I do like have like hairs on my neck start creeping up. I'm like, uh oh, you know, all of a sudden we're gonna get focused on politics and then forget Jesus. And and so I, you know, I guess this is for you, Pastor Pastor Dave. How do we make sure that we're being faithful with God? God has called us to engage in culture. God has called us to engage in politics. So there's nothing wrong with that. But but how do we make sure um, that we aren't either um, Bringing idolatry basically into the church, right, right. or or mixing in a way that we shouldn't. Right. Well, we should speak about righteousness. We should talk about what's right and wrong and wickedness. What those things are from the scriptures, um, and we're looking to Jesus Christ as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If we get that right—that He's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then there's we can talk about being patriotic or loving our country or loving our city or, um, and, and those kinds of things. But all of it, we understand, is under the lordship of Christ. There's no, there's no back and forth here. There's not, not two gods that are fighting one another. And, and we are, but, but actually what Christians think is they think um, the way we really will get things done has nothing to do with the church. It, I have to take off all my church garments, right. all my church thinking, and I and I have to now go do political things. Right. We actually don't even think the church has anything to do with politics, rather than realizing that Jesus is Lord over all those politics. It, it flows out of the church. It flows all of culture flows out of the church and the, and the declared word of God into yeah. into every area. Hence, your another part of this is just remembering that. So we're not um, we're not a special interest group, and we're not and we're not a uh, a political party. So, so I think a lot of what you get with, um, what's the guy's name and, uh, that's always got the American flags and the Jeffress, uh, you know, Steve, kind of, Steve, a uh, pastor, not Steve, Robert, 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 Robert. Jeffress, yeah, yeah. You know, kind of, I mean, I don't know. That's the guy I think of when you talk like that. It's yeah. like, you know, they're doing star spangled banner. And I did mean, you, did you see his choir saying make America great again? Dancing girls they, or they something. Had a, I don't know. His choir literally <laughs> saying make America great again. Had a no. whole version of it. I mean, no. I, I mean, maybe Google he's, it. Maybe he's, <laughs> dead serious. maybe he's better than it looks, but that's where I would think of as sort of like, okay, are you worshiping? Jesus, or are you worshiping America, or are you worshiping Donald Trump, or this kind of thing? Um, but but that but I think you're I think you're absolutely right. I mean, it, we're not we're not any of those things. Um, we're embassies of the kingdom of God come to earth to bring the ways of heaven to earth. We're um, we are we're colonies. Um, yeah. When when Paul in in Philippians says we are citizens of heaven. Um, he wasn't saying he's, our citizenship is in heaven. He wasn't saying, uh, so we don't have to care about this stuff. We're going we're to go to heaven when we die. He, he was talking to Philippi, which was a colony of Rome. And there was a bunch of Roman citizens in Philippi. And what were they doing in Philippi? They were bringing the ways of Rome uh, to Asia. And, and so he says, you got that logic? I mean, I mean the word yeah. for it is colonization. Right. right? Like, yeah. We're colonies. Bad word right now. We're colonies. Right. We're colonies. And, and <laughs> Colonize them. And Gabe, to, to your question, it's the whole idea that, you know, what if you care too much? And so shouldn't we, I mean, people care too much about it, therefore we should just avoid it. Everything that the church does, there are, every good thing can become an idol if it's ultimately yeah. placed above Christ. Absolutely. So the, the children's Amen. ministry, the marriage ministry, the homeless ministry, if you love that and give yourself more to that than you do to Jesus, then we've got a problem. But, it, but the political space is the only area in which we'd say, well, somebody loves that more than they love Jesus, therefore we're done right. closing up our shop right. rather than just reprioritizing and making sure right. we don't, haven't made it an idol. Also, too, I think the way that we approach it is part of the problem. Everything you just talked about, make America great again, that's all starting at the wrong level. When you start thinking about it at the local level, yeah. and you start working from the just basic representation at the very local level. City, county. City council, sheriff, mayor, at those levels, represented at that level, then the worship issue is just like, 
it kind of goes away. And Make America Great Again isn't entering your mind as you're talking to the local guy. Now, you start talking about the president and the governor. That changes things a little bit. Yeah, now, because you don't, you don't hear songs about Make My City Great Again. Right. <laughs> make My Mayor Great Again, unless <laughs> right, you're in right. New York. You know, <laughs> right, That's right. about it. But yeah. if we start working at the local level, it changes our approach to this. And I don't think we get the same sort of influence of worship that comes from yeah. presidential elections. So, so Joseph, you said one of the things that you could do is, um, you know, 10 minutes a year, 10 minutes a year, vote, and then call your legislator. Um, I, uh, you, you, do you have a couple more practical ways that we can maybe work on changing our politics? Well, I, you know, in, in this space, I, I do think it's, for, for those of us who have spent a significant amount of time being activists, there's, I, I try to qualify a lot of this by, you know, we're all different. The body of Christ is diverse. There's a lot of good work that's happening in the church that I'm never going to do, and I want it to be done. So for those of us who have a burden for this, I'm always careful to like project what God has called me to do onto you, and therefore God has called you to do this. So really, my primary objection is against this idea that it's okay to ignore it. Because not everybody is supposed to be a political activist. Not everybody is supposed to run for office. That's just not who God, and, and some people are so incredibly uncomfortable in those situations, and they really do need to rock babies and comfort people in, in another way. Absolutely. So, but everybody has to be a steward of the things that God has given them, and as citizens of the country, we all have authority to steward, and if we all just did a good job, and that's why you can do that in some way in 10 minutes a year, but some of us, God gives you opportunities, God gives you gifts, and we're tempted to stay out of that space because we're told it's, it's dirty, it's not holy, it's not ministry, whatever those things are. And what I'd like to see happen in the church is that the people who feel a calling to that is that the pastors affirm that. That is from God. If, that, if God's laid that on your heart, go, because that is a legitimate ministry of the kingdom in the culture. So go. It's not to say everybody has to do the same thing. We can all do 10 minutes a year, but you can also do 10,000 hours. Yeah. Right? right. I wonder if there has to be a lot better teaching in the church about how to be involved and think about even the local politics. In one of Toby's talks, um, he, he was actually making a case from the Bible that the Bible teaches us about property taxes. Like, it's mm. in there. Mm-hmm. Well, how many Christians would ever think that property taxes or property tax issues is a biblical is something the Bible talks about or something that Christians should think about as Christians. We don't talk that way. We don't teach that way. And and so I I think it it makes it harder to get uh, the individuals within the church to think about acting as Christians even at the local level because they don't think the Bible is speaking to anything at the local level. I've thought some. I've seen uh, the the guys down in... uh, Phoenix. We were down in Phoenix at the Apologia Reform Con last week, and some of y'all are familiar with them and maybe seen some of the videos they've done, but over the last year or so, um, they started going to their local city council and asking the city council to end abortion um, in their city. Um, and um, I, I think it's wonderful. It's great. The, the thought that immediately occurred to me, and I, I mentioned this to, to Jeff a, couple, uh, um, a number of months ago, was I mean, actually, what would be wonderful is not only on that issue, but what if pastors and Christians were going to the city councils um, a lot more regularly yeah. and just teaching them, yeah. like yeah. even like just doing like short devotionals. I'm yeah. like, um, you may not know this, but the Bible actually teaches on property taxes. Right. Um, here are some principles that are given in the Bible, and here's why um, they're good. Here's why they would be they make lands prosperous. Um, not only are they from God, but they actually make fiscal economic sense. Um, you know, here's why, this is what God says about marriage, this is what God says about gender, sexuality. Um, but, I mean, they never hear from us, right. first of all. Um, they don't know what we think. Um, are they, some of them not going to like it? Yeah, but there's going to be some people that are going to be really encouraged by it. Some of them, I've never heard this before. Um, but I think we could do a whole lot more in just teaching um, and, and recognizing, hey, we failed to do this, so here's some remedial lessons. And... Um, <laughs> And, you know, we, we, you should have known this a long time ago, but you, you didn't, and this is our fault, and we just want to let you know. I mean, I mean, G- Jesus literally said to go teach the nations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right, I, right now, it scares me what pastors would teach if they had to go and do that. Yeah. <laughs> just to be honest with you, know, just... Yeah. yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah I know. Might not want them doing it, because well, we need a revival but they're in doing, I mean, they're doing it. I mean, you said a minute ago that it was people in collars. I'm assuming you were talking yeah. about liberal Christians and, For sure. and Roman yeah. Catholics and stuff like that who are going in there. Heretics. There's Her- some really good Heretics. Roman Catholics, though, on our stuff. <laughs> you know, so, there really are. 
They're what? On, on, on the political on issues, the, the Catholic Church has been a, a huge yeah, ally right, on right, a, yeah. a lot of the cultural yeah. stuff. Yeah, no, but I'm, yeah. Just, I'm just saying, like, so, the, the, the liberal bad pastors are already going yeah, they're, they're, and, and already blessing the abortion clinics and doing all the LGBT yeah, stuff. Because what happened is, you know, I don't know if it was Jerry Falwell or whenever it was, yeah. is that the, 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 the right was tired of being labeled as these, moral these the, the moral majority. All you care about is politics and not the gospel. And so they overreacted by totally abandoning the premises. Exactly the left right. got tired of being referred to as all these God-hating secularists. So they went and found every caller they could and drug them into the Capitol. <laughs> and so it's just a complete misrepresentation of reality. But right. they prioritized it while we fled. Right. And that's basically what's happened. They don't have a vision of uh, a... A sort of normal functioning conservative pastor who doesn't have horns and a, and a tail. And though, though I will say, that I'm, especially in Washington State, there's been significant improvement. Like this, is, the, the situation today is not like it was ten years ago. There are pastors who are doing that, who are who are showing up, who are building relationships. There's just not nearly enough, yeah. and it's just not on the radar of most people. And and if if every pastor adopted a single elected official. If every church adopted a single elected official at some area and said, we're going to minister, we're going to send you a card every six months, tell, me, tell you you're praying for you, that would just, what, what that would do to our, mm. uh, to, to the every governmental building in the state and in the country. Wow. Because they, nobody hears from them and they don't hear from the church wow. unless somebody's really mad at them about something. So, wow. then, so then do we just elect them and then go away? Well, we usually don't elect them. We just go away. <laughs> don't, we don't even do that. Yeah. Even at that point. So, we just... We just ignore the whole scenario. So, Vody, you, you brought up the Vody interview, and one of the things that their church did locally was this in Houston. This in Houston, they would they would pray for they would pick a elected official that they'd pray for at their elders meeting, and then they would send a card to that official, and they did that I think for six months. I think it was the whole church that prayed for. Was him. it the whole church? And, and then I think they all signed cards, and then they'd send a card to him and just say, "Hey, we prayed for you." And they get these letters back from these mm-hmm. people on the other end of the political spectrum thanking them and saying, I've never had a church tell me they're praying for me ever. And, and yes. some would start showing up. And some of That's, them would come visit. Yeah. And, and it's like, I don't, I mean, it turns out the Bible also says to pray for kings and all those in authority. Like that's like, it, it says to do that. And I think it's kind of rare. I mean, the churches that even do pray for those in authority, we rarely pray for them by name. And maybe if you do, it's, you know, it's Donald Trump. Yeah. You know, it's whoever the president is. Yeah, starting at this level again. Yeah, right. right. But it's yeah. like we ought to be praying regularly for our city council members, mm. our, our county commissioners, our mayor, our, our, our local county judges. At church. At in church, church. And we yeah. ought to be developing relationships with them. Yeah. You know, I want to go back to what you were saying earlier about the, uh, the split that happened between you have the social gospel that came out and uh, evangelicalism basically said, no, it's about the gospel. And so they started uh, swerving off to only being gospel. We need to preach the gospel, preach the gospel, preach the gospel. And the split happened between gospel has influence in culture to just preach the gospel. And these other groups, these liberals over here took it and said, we'll just do all the social stuff then. And we didn't just just because we were trying to separate the social, the practical application of the gospel between the social guys and the guys who were saying preach the gospel. So we kind of just went all the way over here to this side of just preaching the gospel. But we didn't just lose uh we didn't, weren't just protecting the gospel but we thought what we actually lost was how the gospel applies in all of the secular realm too right. so part of what this is is recovering what we need to be yeah. doing biblically how the yeah. bible applies to these issues like such as taxes such as community issues such as what police whatever it is yeah. red flag laws how does that work biblically so while we're engaging there also needs to be a, a revival in the the wisdom of how to engage for sure i and i think that, that kind of separation that happened, um, the, 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 the church, many in the church, appropriately acknowledged that you don't change, you don't change cultures on the ballot. You don't. Yeah. And, and you can't, even if, even if we had whatever, if we could all agree on the, what every law should be, what perfection is, and we were czars, and we were able to decree that tomorrow, there would still be massive problems in the world. And that's, the church understands that. But the, the, the vacating the arena, how I think uh, an adjustment in the way we think about that I think would be helpful 
is God created the church, he created the family, and he created the government. They're different institutions and they have different purposes. What is happening right now is that many in the church are mad at the government because it can't accomplish the job that God created the church to accomplish, which is change the heart. (laughs) And so it's because government isn't changing people's hearts, therefore we're going to neglect it. And it's like, well, wait. It's a different instrument. It does different things. We need all of them to function as God ordained. We're going to help that happen. And if we get that done, then things are better. It, it seems to me the church has an export problem in all this. So, so China has the one-kid policy, and, and they, their demographics start to, to decline over time. Russia, um, the president, I don't know what, three years ago, four years ago, started encouraging people to have kids in Russia because they saw it as a national security problem. We need children, we need children to survive. You know? And, and what, what the church has done is we've actually exported Roman citizens. So, so we've raised a generation of kids who've gone out and actually are now very much integrated into the world and, and voting wrong policies and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, you guys probably heard this on well, the we show before. A, we have a self-imposed child, like two-child policy in the church. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. right. Mm-hmm. We're like, that's right. If we have kids. Yeah. Sorry, I know you were on a line. but that, That's okay. And, and so... There's the there's a couple surveys out that have surveyed the Southern Baptist churches and then and then there's a Barna survey that sur- surveyed more general congregations. But they basically both found that about fifty to eighty percent of our kids are losing their faith by their freshman year in college. And you know some of those kids probably come back around over time. But if we can't export, I mean, one of the reasons why we want to impact culture is because we love what's going on in the church. You know, one of the reasons why we want the world to know Jesus is because Jesus has forgiven me of my sins. And, and so that's a, it's a good, natural inclination there. But when we can't, um, you know, even export our kids well out in the culture, launch them out in the culture, we're, we're losing the battle. Um, you know, we said there's 40, roughly 40 million Christians. Well, we should, I mean, if 40 million Christians had four kids each faithfully, and I mean, the and demographic up, explosion. Raise them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Exactly. Yeah, like taught them to love God. Yeah. From kindergarten on. Yeah. Go baptize your kids if you have children. That's right. <laughs> Just want to add that part to raise them up right. Yeah. And so we should we should have a we should be fairly it should be fairly easy for us to have faithful children and take over the U.S. or Seattle within you know a generation of faithful kids. The math indicates that's true. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it does. So something's amiss. Part of the point that we've said this a number of times on the show, but uh, the founders of the American public school system explicitly, John Dewey and others, explicitly said the plan is to get the children so that we can, we can get them away from their families and their churches, away from their dads and their pastors right. in order to train them up to serve the state. That's, want, yeah. that's what they said they were going to do, and lo and behold, they have done it. Yeah. Uh, just right on schedule. And, and, and Christian parents are the fools who keep sending their kids to Caesar and wondering why they keep turning out like Romans. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's what we're doing over and over again. On the flip side, I would say I think one of the most powerfully political things that parents do is get your kids out of the public schools. Yeah. I mean, classical conversations your homeschool program, your classical Christian school, getting them out. I mean, if nothing else, they're at least not being indoctrinated there. And chances are pretty decent that they're probably getting an actual um, Christian worldview and they're being prepared to actually make a difference in the world. If I Go ahead. No, go yeah, ahead. I, this is a shameless plug for what I'm doing now. Is to you your do very Hey, no Joseph, yeah. what are you doing now? I mean, yeah. what would you say.org? I mean, it, it's that whole idea that part of the reason that we're losing young people is because they're not, giving, they're not being given an intellectually satisfying defense of why the gospel is true and why the tr- gospel is good. Right. Because the adults didn't have to defend it, so they lost the ability to defend it themselves, so they can't teach their kids. And now that their kids on their phones are getting all these arguments about why the gospel is true, mom and dad have no rebuttal. Therefore, they hear no rebuttal. Therefore, right. they decide mom and dad are wrong and they walk away. And, and what so would explain, you say that? Explain. Yeah, well, explain yeah, what you, it's a platform that. and ultimately a library that we're building of three to five minute video answers that answer questions like, you know, does life begin at conception? How many genders are there? Is contract surrogacy helpful for people? Um, is is our faith in science in conflict? Some of those questions 
three to five minute animated kind of Prager U-ish videos that help mom and dad have those conversations. What would you say? Dot org. Dot org. What would you say? Dot org. Or on YouTube yeah. at youtube.com slash what yeah. would you say? Okay. It's a shameless plug. <laughs> I, I, was, I was shocked when I, a number, about, I don't know, eight, six, seven years ago, first started going up to the university campus to do evangelism. Um, I was shocked by how many kids were there who grew up in the church yeah. who are not walking with God anymore. I, I, I kind of, I don't know, for some reason, I just sort of expected that I was going to be primarily talking to people who didn't grow up in the church, who didn't know the gospel, or just, you know, pagan homes and needed to, needed to hear the gospel. I would say easily over half the kids. And, then, you know, that's not a scientific sample, but, I mean, I just walking up to people, talking to people, easily over half of them yes. had grown up in a Christian school, had gone to a youth group, had grown up in some kind of church. They came to college, and they said, yeah, I used to believe. I, I took some science classes, learned that, you know, that evolution is true, and so I don't believe anymore, um, at, which just kind of blew me away. And then I realized, oh, so I'm, I'm here for Christian kids. <laughs> you know, I, I'm here because mm. the Christian kids didn't, weren't equipped for this. And, and so, number one, they weren't equipped. They didn't have the answers. They weren't ready. Like, I mean, the answer to, you know, we evolved from monkeys, you know, billions of years ago is just a belly laugh. Right? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah. But, but, they're, but they're, you know, they're, they've been, they get catechized and they're terrorized by these people. You know, but science says, show, science shows, you know, it's like, no, it doesn't. You're making this stuff up. It's absolutely ridiculous, but they, they don't have that kind of courage. They don't have the, they, don't, they don't have the answers. Um, but but I think the, that's part of the pro, part of the problem, though, is is that we also don't realize how um, uh, militant they are. And I think particularly in universities at the college level, I think I think um, you know I think there's a rare kid that can go up and go to the university and come out better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most most Christian kids that survive the university system barely survive, and they're not better for it. And, and the rest of them lost their faith. Yeah. That, that's, I mean, that, that's the deal. It's like, I mean, it's, uh, the, the stats on, 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 uh, on college yeah. is like you had a better chance of surviving D-Day on Normandy Beach yeah. than Christian kids do going to public universities yeah. today. Mm. I, I don't, I, I, statistically I know that you're right, but I, I'll give a little shout-out to my father who is not here, but I went to the University of Washington, yeah. and I spent the first 18 years of my life being catechized in Christian camp. worldview. But you were boot and, camp. And so I, w- I was yeah. boot camp from, like, diapers yes. on Come how on, to yeah. get ready. Yeah. And by the time I was at UW, which was just a problem, I mean, actually, my parents... They felt like you, like, or like most of us. We're not sending our kids to the secular university. The Air Force made me go to the University of Washington, which is true. It's just kind of a God story. So I ended up in this secular place yeah. that I never even applied to because we weren't going to secular places. Yeah. God sent me there, and yeah. I was totally ready. Right. I was totally ready mm-hmm. because my parents made me ready. Right. Come on, And now. so if the parents but are focused, this is, this is what they I can say. be. Yeah. See, you I, can be. You just have to prioritize it, and then you're not going to lose but your But it's war. I mean, you went in it knowing war. it was war. You were, they knew it was you war. You were a Navy SEAL going in, and yeah. you were going to take names. I mean, that's how you went into it. But I wasn't thinking that. I, my parents were thinking that it, it, well war. in advance, it's, and so they got me ready. It's war even if you're not going into college, though. That's the whole thing. Like sure. we, it, The whole thing is... Every time I hear those stats, they always bother me because I'm like, listen, growing up, there wasn't the way that I was trained by my mom in the scriptures, saturating the scriptures, waking up in the middle of the night, hearing my parents pray over me, praying my name out and crying out to God for my life and then being taught by them. There wasn't nothing anybody was going to do at that point. No matter, I didn't even have all the educational things, all the knowledge. I was converted. <laughs> My heart was set towards God. There wasn't anything a professor was going to say that was going to turn me. And so the battle that we lose isn't at the college level. We've lost it at the home before we've ever got there. And yeah. the college level is just kind of like pulling the curtain back and saying, oh. It's this your, is your fruit. It's your report card. This is your yeah. report card. Right. Ooh, right? That's good. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I, I, I agree with you. I, I was ready to engage, but I was ready to engage not thinking like this is my battleground. It's because my parents were pouring the scriptures into me. And so I was filled with the word of God so that those things weren't going to affect me in the same way. And so I think that more and more, I I said this constantly, um, the best battle, I have a huge desire for the the black church. I want to see Reformation come that way. Oh, really, Chocolate Knox? Yeah, yeah, you know. Imagine that. (laughs) But one of the things that I realized is that one of the most effective ways that I could see that happen is raising godly children who love the Lord. Yeah. And, and so I didn't know how politically, 
um, powerful my marriage was. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> you know? right. Right. Well, this goes right. back to Joseph's point earlier yeah. about the different institutions. I mean, not only is the church looking to the state to do stuff that the state wasn't designed to do, but we've been looking, you know, families, men, women have been looking to the state to do things that the family was intended by God to do, yeah. not the state. Exactly. And we keep handing them over and wondering why they, why they turn out so bad and why, you know, let's try it again. It's, yep. it's not working. It's like, not working. Like leaven in the lump. Um, something as ins- insignificant looking as one little family uh-huh. faithfully raising their children, husbands loving their wives, just doing the regular stuff of being a Christian has tremendous impact over time um, for the sake of the gospel. When, when we think, oh no, what we need to do is not have children, what we need to do is get involved in ministry out there, what we have to do is Come get on involved. Now. Plant churches. We, we Come go, on now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're, building. We need to build families. Yeah. I mean, like that's, you said build. Don't just, right. don't just protest, but build. And the right. first thing you can build, well, what can I build? Well, you can build a family. That's right. right. One of the reasons why the church was persecuted in the past is because they were free. The government couldn't do anything about them, and so they actually started beating them yep. and cha- putting them in chains. Right. They weren't they weren't chaining up the non Christians. Those those people would go along with what the government wanted. Right. It was a, a, a when we raise our children up to be free. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, you know, ten years down the road, fifteen years down the road, when your kids are launching out of your house, they're they're going out into a world full of bondage, and that's why the world hates them is because they're actually free. Yeah, and and then that, that that releases them to 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 think clearly about culture, to think clearly about you know politics or law, um, but but they're actually free to do because they aren't bound in sin. One of the one of the things that um, when when kids go to college, they're learning how to smoke weed, drink beer, go to parties, and and by the end of their college career, they've learned nothing in the classroom, and they've left with all sorts of vices. And and when you know you send your kid to you know Lord willing as you guys raise your kids you know in in the knowledge and fear of the Lord and you send them to a Christian college well they're learning the exact opposite of what they're learning on a secular campus and, and in addition to that they didn't take out hopefully a hundred thousand dollars in debt to have all these vices uh, when they leave college. It seems like a huge part of all of this though too is is lack of courage, um, mm. a, a lack of nerve, a lack of backbone. And, you know, because it's, it's not winsome. It's not nice. I mean, Joseph, anybody ever say that to you? It just doesn't seem very nice. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, y'all can see he's not a very nice person. <laughs> Look how far he's sitting from me. You can tell that. It's just distance here. But, but I mean, you know, and, and you brought this up in, in your talk as, as well, um, Pastor. I mean, it's like... That's the thing. I mean, we, they've got, I mean, they've got us around the neck. They got us around the throat with the, but that's not very nice. Well, tell me about it. That, you know, the 11th commandment. It's, yeah, the 11th commandment. Yep. You know, that's not winsome. It's not nice. And, and what do you say to that? Well, what I say to that, I think beginning of this conversation about what's going on with the church is that we need to officially and formally surrender our reputations. Mm. To God. Mm-hmm. All the things that churches preach about, all the things, surrender your money, your relationships, your kids, yes. all your, your time, all the stuff that we're supposed to give to God. I have never heard anybody preach on God owns your reputation. Mm. And you give that right to now. him. You better give him an organ. <laughs> and, and let him take care of that. And, okay, thank you for the organ. Come on but, but seriously, the Absolutely. moment that we... We formally surrender that and just say, God, if you're happy with me, I'm happy with me. And if they're not happy with me, I'm fine with that. As long as you are. As soon as we get there, then this whole like, well, you're not being nice. It's like, well, 1 Corinthians 13 tells me that love does not allow me to just embrace everything that you do. Love rejoices, does not rejoice in iniquity. It rejoices in the truth. That's how you love people. That's what God tells me. You have a different understanding of love. I'm going to be okay with that. We surrender our reputations. I think suddenly the leverage that they have emotionally to manipulate us and, and bully us all the time is gone. Yeah, Pastor Dave, do you guys keep track of when your guests come? How many? Who gets the most number of organ organs? Like, is I, it, no, is no, it like somebody just, winning just, right now? Maybe, maybe somebody's Scoreboard. counting out there, <laughs> but not us. Unless you are, Dave. No. <laughs> no, that's great stuff. You just spin it when you're ready. Oh, go ahead. Q&A now? Yeah, you can do okay. Q&A. All right. Well, I wanted to read the verse. 
Okay. I was just I just was remember reminding this, but it, I mean it, this is this is what Jesus it's said. Come to that now. Uh, yeah, we're gonna. I, I'm just gonna break out the Bible. Wow. I mean, <laughs> I mean we. I mean the Beatitudes. Blessed are you when men. um, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I mean, you know, the other places, you know, woe, um, um, woe to you if all men speak well of you. I mean, you know, I, you know, sometimes I've said, you know, Jesus requires us to love our enemies. And you hear, hear a lot of people say, like, you got to love your enemies. you got to love your enemies. Yeah, right, okay. And I just want to say sometimes, okay, so tell me the names of your enemies. You know, the people who hate your guts and want to kill you. Yeah. Tell, what are their names? Why don't you have any? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Like, you don't have any enemies to love. Because you haven't made any enemies. It's systemic. Right, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's systematic. It's the system hates It's the man. Yeah. Yeah. The man, the state. Yeah. But no, like, this is part of the plan. As much as it was, you know, as much as we are to pursue the blessing of being poor in spirit, and as much as we're to pursue the blessing of mourning over sin and seeking the comfort of Christ and being meek so that we might inherit the earth and hungering and thirsting for righteousness, we are to seek the blessing of being persecuted for righteousness' sake. And don't you want that? Not really. <laughs> but Jesus says you ought to want it. I'll we ought to want that blessing. <laughs> and when it happens, when the ruckus happens, when they write the op-ed in the Seattle Times or whatever, when they when they say, you know, your pastor, you know, he he's a racist and, um, you know, whatever. Homophobic. Homophobic and, yeah. or whatever. It's Hates like, women. That's when you throw the party. Because Jesus says rejoice and be glad in Amen. that day. Yeah. Right? You say, all right, everybody, we're getting together. Party at Pastor Dave's house. Yeah. Because they're maligning him in the news. Find the pastors who they're saying that about first. Like, yeah, where, right, or, where are they and at? And there's probably some faithful pastors out there already yeah. who are doing it, and yeah. they're getting written up, and you need to find them, and you need to send them a bottle of wine. Yeah, instead of what the church is doing, which is usually saying, you know, you guys you need to calm down and be yeah, nicer. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's what you're hearing from the church. not very <laughs> yeah. 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 You're a bad testimony. The Christians yeah. are the worst. Yeah. Yeah. The Christians are the worst, and they'll come around, and they'll try to get you to stop it. And that's the, you have to say exactly what Joseph said. But, you know, I'm, I'm fine with what the Lord thinks of me. He said to expect to have enemies. Great, I've got enemies. Now I know who to love. Now I know who to pray for. Now yeah. I know who to do good to. Uh, but I'm not backing down. And so long as you don't repent, yeah, we're at odds. Absolutely at odds. <laughs> um, but I'm okay with that. And when we have pastors that act like that, the people that get behind those pastors, it's been amazing watching Trump just be the guy who's going to stand there and say what he needs to say and take it and throw the punch and watching all these kind of like limp back conservatives all of a sudden step up like yeah me too it was like where were you at <laughs> Lindsey Graham yeah, all of a sudden where, like, what? yeah who is he <laughs> who is this guy but it's amazing yeah. when a man stands up like that yeah. the people that actually come back and support him they will hold his arms up it's a crying shame that Trump's like one of the best examples of courage we have in our country <laughs> <laughs> right. it's, a, it's an, to our shame it's an absolute shame that's right because, that's right because because he's not a great role model no, not right. at all. He's right. not. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for the cover he's providing for the church, but that's not really. It's not biblical courage. No. Uh, but but that's like that's one of the best examples we have. It has a yeah. form of masculinity to yeah, it. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's like he's got a backbone. He doesn't back down. Now, he's wrong about a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, but both fear and courage are contagious. That's right. Oh <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, both yeah. are forms of and, leadership. And, and, yeah. pa- and <laughs> pastors and Christian leaders are either infecting those around them with courage or fear. Or fear. That's great. That's that's right. That's really good. All right, um, so we will be at the pub, I'm sure, Samarian Brewery at one thirty. Brewery, yeah. Love to, love to have some beers with you guys. We have um, hats so, and glasses for yeah, the Baptists yeah. that are going to be there. We'll have Dr. Pepper there okay. for them. All right, all right. And, and um, uh, so, Knox, if you want to roll us out, man. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. If you have kids, go baptize them. Thank you for having us. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight. Laugh and feast to the glory of God. This is cross politic. Thank you guys. There you go. Thank you.